franchising is the most misunderstood and most overlooked form of entrepreneurship. We're here to educate you and help you find the entrepreneur within. Franchising is not all about the French fries. We find that individuals who are exploring business ownership tend to have a lot of misperceptions and misunderstandings about the franchise industry. So what we want to do is help prospective business owners make confident and educated decisions before moving forward or not moving forward with the business. Welcome to Unpredicted Entrepreneur. Hi, welcome to episode 16 of Unpredicted Entrepreneur. As you know, we developed this podcast to provide education and information on the world of entrepreneurship uh, with a focus on franchising. I'm Roxanne Rapsky, and this is my colleague, Sarah Wasco. And you'll notice we're dressed a little bit differently today because we are representing our sweatshirts for our next guest, who is going to tell us her story. We thought she was such a great fit because We chose the name Unpredicted Entrepreneur because most of us ended up entrepreneurs, but we did not start on that path. And Ruth is a perfect example of that. She's actually the founder of a franchise company, and she is here to share her entrepreneurial journey. She also had a corporate background, and we're going to get to hear all about that. So Ruth, please introduce yourself. Tell us about, tell us the name of your company, and then these funky sweatshirts we're wearing will make some sense, and then (laughs) tell us your title, because I love your title. Tell us what your company does, and then Sarah and I will jump into some questions for you. Okay, sounds good. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's such an honor to be on your show. I've been following you ladies on LinkedIn, and it's kind of great to, it is really great to be here uh, with you. So my name is Ruth Agbaji, and I am the nerd in chief at CodeWiz. Um, And I really like the title nerd in chief because I really am not a nerd. Um, I'm the opposite of a nerd, but I like to tell everyone that if anyone, if I could learn how to code, anyone really can. If I could start a business, anyone, anyone can. So um, CodeWiz is an after-school program for kids ages 7 through 17. Um, Our mission is to help kids unlock their inner genius through coding and robotics. So through classes and summer camps and vacation camps, we offer a variety of coding classes and robotics classes uh, for kids to take and really find that thing that they're passionate about and develop, use that to develop problem solving skills, develop their creativity and, you know, maybe become the next Steve Jobs one day. Ah, that's awesome. Well, thank you. So you did not start out as a franchise owner. You didn't wake up one day and out of college and just start there, right? So... Tell us about your journey. Um, You have a great story. And um, I know we talked about this the other day, so I kind of want you to just repeat yourself. But tell us how this all started. Where where did this coding start? Where did the entrepreneurship come from? And really, most importantly, it's your why. You had a big why behind that. And we always talk about that with our clients, how it's really important to have a strong why. So tell us. Okay. 
Will do. Um, all right. So I am originally from Nigeria. I was born and raised in Nigeria. I came to the U.S. in um, 2010. Um, I actually became a citizen of this great country on January 6th of, of last year. My birthday. So- Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> nice. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. It's been such a blessing to be here. But um, going back to where I was born, I was born and raised in Nigeria. And um, Northern Nigeria, unfortunately, is a little unstable. So there's a lot of religious crisis that goes on there. Um, I remember very vividly having to run for my life. You know, somebody's chasing you with a machete and all of that. And so growing up in that environment, I always knew that I wanted to get out and I wanted to do something more with myself. I always felt like I could be more and I could do more. So as I was going through college, um, somebody just randomly introduced the idea of coding to me. Um, my undergrad degree is in electrical engineering, but we weren't being taught coding at the time. And so I, I found it very interesting and very intriguing because um, I figured that all I needed was a laptop, right? If I had my laptop and if I understood how to code, I could create something out of nothing. And that's the beauty of, of coding. You don't really need too much to get started. So I started to try to teach myself. I would go to the internet cafe, stay there till like 3 a.m., downloading all this material so I could teach myself. And um, halfway through trying to teach myself and build this really big project, I got stuck. And I knew that there was no one around me that could help me. So I went back to good old Google and I Googled my problem and I found somebody in India who had written a blog post about something similar that I was experiencing. So I reached out to him, I'm like, hey, would you help me? This is my vision. This is what I'd like to do. Uh, would you please just guide me? And he agreed to do that. I, I haven't spoken to him up till today. I haven't met him. And hopefully one day I do get to meet him. But over six months, he and I corresponded and he would help me fix my code, help, taught me how to debug my own um, challenges. And I was able to finish the project and it was finishing that project that formed the basis of my scholarship here in the US. So I got a scholarship and I came to get my master's um, in computer science from Tufts University. Wow. So I did that. Um, and then I, after graduating, I went to work in the industry. Now, prior to that, I've always been very entrepreneurial, always tried different things. Uh, back home, I, I'm not very fashionable, but I tried a fashion <laughs> line. It's just, it did not go well. Um, people that know me know that I'm not, I'm really not fashionable. So I don't know why I tried that, but I've always wanted to try something, always do something. So I've always been trying different things. And when I started working in corporate, there was just, just this whole big dissatisfaction with where I was. Um, I'm very visionary and I like to have ideas, but there was no room for my ideas at in corporate because I was, I was a junior engineer. I was like on the very first level. Um, added to that, you know, I got married, had kids, we moved to the suburbs, the commute became like an hour and a half long, one way. I just, I just couldn't do it. You know, you, you get to work and they call you at the daycare, your child has a fever mm. of 101, you need to come right back. Um, so it was, it was super stressful. And then, uh, one of the big aha moments for me was we had somebody come from, um, corporate and they're like guys you know we made millions and millions of dollars in profit this year and you all get two thousand dollars and the first thing that came to my mind was like really 
you know, all that commuting back and forth and everything. And I just get $2,000 out of all the millions. And, and not, not to say that what they're doing is wrong, but that was just a feeling that I got. And I was like, you know, I could do all this work for myself and I, I could, I could be my own boss. I could have something where I'm putting my own ideas into it and I could have this flexibility for my kids. So I, I quit my job and I decided that I was going to pursue a business. I looked into a variety of franchises. My husband suggested 7-Eleven. <laughs> and I was like, Ugh, I don't know. It just didn't quite click for me. I'm a very passionate person. And I feel like I felt like I wanted to do something that I that would be driven by my passion. Because I know that if I'm passionate about something, I will not stop. Like I'll keep going. And so, so you're I knew not passionate about a convenience store. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, no, not really. <laughs> Largely because um, I have a soda addiction. And I, probably, <laughs> I, probably, I probably drink my entire inventory before I get a chance to sell it. So, um, so yeah, I wasn't super passionate about that. But I knew, you know, I knew how much coding had made a difference in my life. I knew that if that person, that guy in India, had not given me some of his time, I will not be where I am today. You know, I met my husband here, we got married, we have kids. So all of this life would not have happened if I didn't, if that person give, didn't give me the time of day. And so I'm like, you know, this is something that I could pay for. This is something that I could build a business around and impact people as well. And there's no better way, in my opinion, to impact people or the next generation than by working with kids. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of how it's uh, kind of how CodeWiz was born. Uh, speaking of impact, I thought something when I was trying different entrepreneurial ventures, one of the things that I thought would be impactful was a dating website because I thought, you know, everybody needs to find love. And I had a whole bunch of friends who were looking and then there were a whole bunch of other friends who were looking and I'm like, oh, if only I could connect you both. So I, I did try uh, a dating website. This was back in 2015. Um, it flopped. But I feel like if I had done that in 2020, I would have been super successful. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yes. So I was just ahead of my time. Maybe it's an idea or revisit. I don't know. Way too busy. So, right? I love that. how you considered fashion, a dating <laughs> service, and 7-Eleven. Right. Um, <laughs> really big mix. And that kind of tends to be what happens with a lot of people. They're just kind of, you know, seeking a passion or, uh, you know, seeking an opportunity to pursue a passion and don't kind of know which direction to go. So right. I, and I truly love how you just went for it, went to the library, like you said, or the cafe and did all your research and just, I was reading your article in Franchise Times and you, you said, um, I randomly reached out to some guy in India, you know, and so you just weren't afraid to just put yourself out there and get the information that you needed. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, thank you. I, I feel like, you know, it's when you have a goal, you just have to do any and everything ethical, of course, ethically, um, to hit that goal and to reach that goal. There's there's always a solution. Everything is figure outable. You just need to find out. You just need to find uh, you just need to find that solution and be willing to put yourself out there and ask for help. That's also another thing that I think I've learned in my journey. Well, and along with putting yourself out there comes make 
doing things that are uncomfortable. Yeah. When you're starting a business or you're looking to leave what you've been doing and start something new, there's a level of discomfort. And most of the times it's a very high level of discomfort. So what most people don't realize is they have to get out of their comfort zone. Um, I think that's just something we go through life and we don't think about, right? If when we're working, we're busy, we're on that little hamster wheel, we're running as fast as we can. We know we might want off, but we don't realize how uncomfortable getting off is. Um, and, and how uncomfortable that space is in between when you're trying to figure yeah. out what the next thing is. Yeah. Oh, I can talk for hours about that. Um, <laughs> because it was, you know, you, so first of all, to, just to give a little context to this, um, in the Nigerian culture, when you get a good job, you put your head down mm -hmm. and you do that job. You don't, you don't step off the hamster wheel. You, you stick with it and you keep doing it. And so it was a it was a thing of pride for like my parents back in Nigeria. Oh, my daughter works at Microsoft. You know, you see that Windows machine that you're using. Yeah, you know, my daughter's touched that. So it's a huge thing of pride. And then and the salary was not bad. It was like a six figure salary for an entry level engineer. And you know, so I'm telling my parents, um, I'm gonna quit my job and start a business. And everybody's like. Are you crazy? Why would you want to do that? You know, you have a good job. You have something good going. Just put your head down and, and keep going. But um, again, for me, I just feel I just always felt like I was called to something greater. And I always felt like a lot of the business ventures that I had tried didn't quite work out because I was putting one toe in. You know, it was like, oh, let me just let me just see if it will work. Mm -hmm. uh, but then when I quit my job, I'm like, there's no other option. This absolutely has to work. And so, you know, I forfeited my salary for like a full year. That was hard. Mm -hmm. um, I learned very quickly that there are many things in life that you actually don't need. You think you need it, <laughs> but you really don't. <laughs> so when you don't have money, you realize you don't need too many things. Um, but if I didn't take that big step of faith and didn't um, choose to just be uncomfortable for a little bit, again, I will not be where I am today. It's just, I am so happy that I did it because nobody could have predicted that this is where I would have a franchise and we would have 10 locations. Like nobody could have predicted that, but it happened because I was able to I was willing to be uncomfortable for a little bit and follow that inner voice that said I was called to something bigger. So let's back up because you kind of just spilled the beans and said you had 10 locations, but we're not sure when you were founded yet. So, so tell us about, so you're in that uncomfortable space. When is, um, when is CodeWiz was founded? Walk us through that. And then when did CodeWiz become a franchisor? Okay. So, um, so I founded CodeWiz. I, I made the decision early 2017 that uh, coding for kids is something that I was going to pursue. Um, and again, I've just always been very big, big dreamer. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. I'm going to have five locations in Massachusetts over 10 years. This is going to be awesome. And some coming from a background where, you know, my parents were are professors, they're, they're not business owners. So I felt like, you know, if I could accomplish this, I would be like, Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, started in 20, late 2017, around November. And it was great. You know, um, 
we filled our classes very quickly. The moms in the community, moms are just awesome. Uh, the moms in the community were super supportive. Everybody was like posting on Facebook. There's this lady who started a coding for kids business. You know, you should go see her, go talk to her. So it was great. Business was great. Um, but then about three months into the business, three months into starting, so around January or so of 2018, my son was diagnosed with um, autism spectrum disorder, and he also was diagnosed with a feeding issue. So we have to, he's, he was primarily tube fed at the time. Mm -hmm. And so that just threw a wrench in all my big plans and big goals, uh, because with, uh, with autism spectrum disorder, there, there's like 20 therapies that you have to be going to. Mm -hmm. And so I had to um, start dealing with that because I wanted him to have as much of a normal life as possible. And so started dealing with that, taking him to therapies, but then the business started to suffer. And what I ended up doing was, all right, I have to hire a manager who's going to work the day-to-day -day of the business. That was not my plan at all. I wanted to be owner-operator, well, owner right, doing everything myself. So I hired the manager. And um, what ended up happening was, you know, while I'm at the therapist's place, she would call and be like, you know, how do I do this? How do I do that? And, you know, I would tell her what to do. She would write it down. And that's kind of what formed the basis of our ops manual today. And as I, as I looked at it, I was like, man, there's so much demand, but I'm just, I'm constrained by this situation. And, but I, I don't want to give up on the goal. So I'm like, all right, because I had looked into franchising earlier, I'm like, okay, maybe we should start franchising. We should look into franchising and start to bring in people who are like-minded, share the same values as I do, want to be in business for themselves, and we can kind of grow this together. So started franchising in 2019. And oh, forgot. So started franchising in 19 and then um, early 2020 COVID hit and we went online and going online put us on the radar of Tudor Doctor, just a much bigger um, franchise company. And, you know, we worked together over the summer, but I think that the biggest takeaway was not so much how much money we made in the summer, but really that we worked really well together and that our values were very aligned. Like we really care about franchisee success and we want our franchisees to be profitable. It's not about, you know, just taking that check and saying, you know, take care, see you on the sixth of the month. It's really about helping people to, um, to be successful business owners. So we were very aligned on that and it just totally made sense for them to acquire us early, oh, this was 2022, in 2021, in March of 2021. So we're sort of like sister companies with, with Tudor Doctor now. So I always say that the hardest franchise to sell is your first franchise. And you got kind of lucky there. Yeah. So tell us about your first franchisee and your second franchisee. Okay. So we have a physical... Um, location right we have a storefront and our first franchisee um works worked close by at the time and he was coming for lunch and he saw our sign and he was like oh what is this this is interesting he walks in the door and on the receptionist desk there's flyers for franchising and he picks one and he's like oh 
this really sounds cool. And then he contacts me based uh, just off of the contact information on the flyer. We have conversations. And a few months later, he's he's our first franchisee. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's every franchisor's dream. I know. Right? They just go knock on their door. It is not that easy. Tell me more and then end up buying a franchise. Yeah. Awesome. He, he is pretty strong. The He and his friend are partners in the business. They just bought um, a second territory nice. as well. So it, it really worked out. And then the, the second franchisee was a parent. So a parent who was taking classes with us, they also wanted to um, start the business. So they ended up signing on the same day. So we got franchisee number one and number two on the same day. Interesting. So you're in Boston and tell us where your locations are uh, now. Where, you've got uh, where we have locations, right? Um, so we have one in, we have, most of us are up north. So we have in Massachusetts, we have four in Massachusetts, one in New Hampshire, one in New Jersey, and we just signed um, one in Texas, where you ladies are at, and one in Georgia. So looking to expand to Florida as well this month. Fingers crossed that that happens. That's excellent. I mean, with COVID and just starting franchising, what, three, three and a half years ago, that's pretty significant growth. Very impressive. Yeah, thank you. I think people just really understand and see the need for um, STEM education. Uh, You know, it's, it's kind of scary when we think about it, but robots are taking over the world. Mm. You know, like everything is becoming automated. Everything is becoming mechanized. I was reading an article. Um, there's a robot front. There's a robot that fries chicken now. Right. So wow. like even the restaurant industry is, is not being spared. And what people are recognizing is that the technology that drives all of this uh, innovation is all really rooted in coding. And so we just need more and more. And so there is already a huge gap in the coding industry, uh, but then it's just going to keep growing bigger and bigger because of the way, you know, everything is becoming autonomous right now. And I think people see that and people, people get that. So Ruth, tell us what, if, if somebody, if you were having coffee with somebody Mm -hmm. and they said, if there was a recommendation you could make to them personally or a book that you could recommend on entrepreneurship, what would you recommend for them? So I guess it would depend. It would depend on if they're looking into franchising, because that's also, that's a question I get a lot. You know, I want to franchise my business. What do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And I, I can tell you that I made a whole lot of mistakes that I don't want people to repeat. Mm -hmm. And so I would recommend um, Shelly Sun's book, Grow Smart and, um, oh gosh, Grow Smart Risk Less. That's the name of the book. Um, (laughs) She really just lays it out for uh, folks who haven't started franchising, uh, explaining what to expect, how things work, mistakes that she made. Um, so I would recommend that book for, for folks looking to start to franchise their business. Mm-hmm. But if you're just looking into business, the one book that I wish I read in the beginning was Traction. Traction. Just understanding, yeah, just understanding how to set your business up right from the beginning and just 
having that system that just starts running um, with you and just helping you to scale your business, it would have been hugely impactful. So for every franchise partner that we bring on now, I send them a copy of Traction. Just so hopefully they read it because I think it would really, it makes a huge difference. I actually haven't read that one yet. So I'll, I'll put that on my list. It's pretty good. So I was just thinking, as you said that, and kind of as you were explaining the situation with your son's diagnosis and, you know, kind of how you had to step back, I try to look at positive outcomes of things that might initially be considered a negative. And from that perspective, with you having to step back, you did learn how to um, delegate and really create systems that others could replicate when you were not able to be in there and actually doing it yourself. Is that a fair statement? Would you agree that that kind of is how some of that evolved? Yep, you are absolutely correct. So when I talk to franchise partners, now prospective franchise partners, we're typically talking about a semi-absentee model because that's how the business was built. It was built relying on being able to delegate the day-to-day operations to someone else and spending that precious little time that you have on the things that really move the business forward, the networking in the community, the marketing piece of it, those are those, that's the 20% of the business. 80% of it is a lot of administrative work, which you can outsource. But if you have very little time, you should be using that time to do the, the most impactful things. And yeah, so I ended up um, just being forced into that situation. They forced me to think, what are the most impactful things that I can do and what are the things that I can delegate and and delegate and trust is, is also there's there's a trust piece to it, because if you don't trust who you hire, you're going to now spend time verifying what they did, triple checking, double checking, and then you're sucked back into the weeds um, again. So being able to delegate, provide the person the guidance and the resources that they need to do a good job and then just focusing on the things that really move the business forward is, you know, kind of learned that through School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> that's an important that's, school. <laughs> it is an important school. And that's the value of a franchise because somebody's already made those mistakes. And so you're able to then come in and benefit from what somebody else has already learned um, as a franchisee. And, um, you know, I think uh, a lot of times you mentioned when people uh, talk to you about how to franchise their business, I think that is sometimes they're very involved in it and um, working more in the business. And so it it's a good reminder that the system needs to be replicatable in order to be able to be a franchise. And so, as you said, it was an unfortunate situation, but may have um, had an impact on maybe how quickly you were able to jumpstart because, as you said, you had a small amount of time Right. And you really had to utilize that to the benefit of what you were good at and what would grow your business the most and learn how to delegate the other things. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you just said something that's really important that I tried to say to everyone. You have to be very self-aware. There's only certain things that you're good at. You're not good at everything. Like I know personally, spreadsheets is not my thing. Like don't ask me to to do anything on spreadsheets. Um, well, Roxanne and I love spreadsheets, right, Roxanne? <laughs> <laughs> joke between us. So sorry to interrupt, but that's just that's okay. I just say no, I'm not the only one. About. 
But yeah, you know, knowing what you're good at and, and just really focusing on that because it drains you less when you focus on the things that you're good at. And then just give somebody else the thing that, you know, you're not really good at. And thank goodness for things like Upwork. It's, it's really changed um, our business as well. So little things, data entry, things that would take so much time, even of your manager's time. If, if your manager doesn't necessarily need to work on that, just outsource it to to someone else and let everybody just focus on what it is that they're really, really good at. Ruth, you gave us so much great information today and you gave us really just a little tidbit of all the things that you do. So you're definitely leaving us wanting more and I'm sure our listeners would agree with that. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you, what's the best way they can reach you? Uh, LinkedIn is awesome. Uh, you can always connect with me on LinkedIn or you can just email me at uh, Ruth at the Super easy. More than happy to connect with folks. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us today, Ruth. It was really a pleasure getting to know you better and hearing your story. Um, we uh, will look forward to spending more time with you and appreciate the opportunity for others to reach out to you as well. Um, for those of us that are listening today, please feel free to download other podcasts wherever you um, get your podcast. You can also find us on YouTube at FranNet of Dallas, Fort Worth, and Oklahoma. My name again is Sarah Wasco. It's W-A-S-K-O-W. So uh, my colleague is Roxanne Rapsky, R-A-P-S-K-E. And you can find us on LinkedIn as well. We are very active there. Look forward to connecting. Thanks so much for listening today. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.